Welcome to the teacher and the preacher. This program is all about the importance of coming to understand that the Christian community and the Jewish community have more in common than we have been led to believe. Rather than seeing each other as against each other, we need to come to a point of seeing that the statement that our country is a Judeo-Christian nation is much more than just a mere statement, but truly reflects the reality of our nation as it was and should remain. Every week there will be an interesting dialogue about the issues that have divided Jews and Christians and how we can move in bridging the gaps and see that by talking about the issues, we can better move in the direction of having more unity. Unity that will heal and help bring together a nation that is under attack by the forces of atheism, secularism, and a breakdown of family values. Join us now for a discussion between the teacher and the preacher. Welcome to The Teacher and the Preacher. I'm the preacher, Dave McGuera. And I'm the teacher, Harold Berman. And we are welcoming back to The Teacher and the Preacher an amazing, amazing man, Irving Roth. And first, I would say, after you've heard this broadcast, if you want to hear more, uh, go to our website, www.teacherandthepreacher.com, and all of our shows are archived there because you'll want to hear the previous interview for even more detail So Irving Roth is a Holocaust survivor. He was born in 1929 in Czechoslovakia and survived two concentration camps, Auschwitz and Buchenwald. He is also a writer and internationally known educator and has dedicated much of his life to teaching people about the Holocaust and the lessons that can be learned from it. Irving is the recipient of the Anne Frank Outstanding Citizen Award from the Anne Frank Center USA for promoting human rights and social justice and for developing and initiating the Adoptive Survivor Program. Irving serves as the director of the Holocaust Resource Center at Temple Judea in Manhasset, New York. Welcome to the Teacher and the Preacher, Irving. Good morning. Good morning. So, uh, you know, you have, to say the least, a, a fascinating story. Uh, maybe uh, for our listeners who uh, you know, weren't with us the last time you appeared, maybe uh, I realize it's it's difficult to, you know, put everything, uh, you know, standing on one foot, so to speak, uh, in a few minutes. But maybe you could give a little bit of the background of, uh, of um, you know, how you came, how all this came to be. I... Uh... I was born, as you heard, in 1929 in Czechoslovakia, which is a democracy, and everybody had all the rights and privileges, and I lived in a small town of about 7,000 people, and uh, unfortunately, as we all know, in 1939, World War II begins, and through my town marches the German army into Poland, and not only that, the people of Slovakia had a strong Nazi party called the Linka Party, and they immediately began the anti-Jewish laws. Being, I was a Jewish kid, I began to feel what was going on. I mean, at first there were small little things like uh, I couldn't get into the park. Eventually, I'm thrown out of school because I'm a Jew. My father's business is taken away, and eventually, what happens in 1941? Uh, Germany, uh, together with other people, are at war and the attack to Soviet Union, and begin the mass murder there. Um, I'm in Czechoslovakia, in Slovakia at this point, with uh, thrown out of school and all that, as I mentioned. And at this point, uh, we don't know what's going to be happening because the uh, Axis powers are making huge progress. Uh, they're 
step in 1941 June attacking the Soviet Union, though they had an agreement with the Soviet Union not to uh, each other to have a peace accord. Nevertheless, Germany, Slovakia, and Hungary attacked the Soviet Union, begin the murder of Jews on mats. And of course, it's uh, since it is the issue really is really getting rid of all the Jews of Europe. The, what they refer to as the final solution. And by 1942, six death camps are national. In my town in the summer of 42, there's a knock on every Jewish home. The Jews are first put into the synagogue for about 36 hours, uh, about 1,800 of them out of the total 2,000. And uh, then they're marched to the railroad station and disappear. I'm lucky I, with my family. We stayed there for a while. Eventually, we managed to get into Hungary. Now, Hungary... Till 1944, the Jews were relatively safe. The men were in a slave labor force, but the families were at home. And after the war was over and they're going to win, then they're going to deal with the issue of Jews, unlike every other country in Europe, which was dealing with the Jews immediately, right then and there. But in 1944, uh, Hungary decides together with the, the little help from uh, Germany uh, to take the Jews of Hungary, uh, 437,000 of them in 53 days. Wow. Takes them from their homes to cattle cars to Auschwitz mostly and other places and the murder of the Jews of Hungary against my grandfather, grandmother, my aunt, my cousins, and I arrive in Auschwitz in the spring of 44. They are all murdered. I managed to survive. And as you heard, I wind up in Auschwitz and eventually in Buchenwald, where I am liberated by the American army. And so that's really the short of it. And I was very fortunate because my parents survived. Uh, they actually were hidden by a Christian family in Budapest, and they managed to both survive. And in 1947, I uh, came to these United States, and life changed considerably, as you can imagine. Yeah. So in wow. a few minutes, that's the situation. <laughs> that, that, that's amazing, by the way, just that you're able to uh, pack all of that into to such a short amount of time. I'm, I'm very impressed. Uh, and you've dedicated actually a good part of your life to, to educating uh, people really uh, everywhere uh, about just the evil of the Holocaust, uh, you know, that why it can never happen again. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, the anti-Semitism that we're seeing even in its current incarnations. Right. And the, the real problem is, is that it all began with words. Uh, as you can imagine what happened in Germany right after World War I, uh, the Jews uh, were really uh, blamed for Ger by Germany uh, that they lost World War I due to the Jews. And of course, that's nonsense, because like my father, for instance, who served in the Austro-Hungarian army for four years on the Russian front, a dedicated soldier who begins his life 
in the army as a second lieutenant. By the time World War I is over, he's a major decorated soldier and fought for Germany and for Austria and for Hungary. Um, yet by 19, the late 1930s, the propaganda machine uh, totally blames the Jews and the only solution to every problem that Europe has, in fact, the world has, whether it's a depression or inflation, is the fault of the Jews. So yeah. they use that as a basis for discrimination and eventual murder. So Irving, on this uh, particular issue and, and the growth of anti-Semitism, one of the things that you have dedicated yourself to recently has been uh, really capturing your story and putting it on film. And I'm very excited uh, that our listeners have a chance to know that your story is going to be coming out <clears throat> in the form of a, of a movie in October, October 13 and 15. I think this is very exciting. Tell us a little bit about what that movie really consists of and how it came uh, about that they decided to take your story and put it on film. Well, the movie really has two characters in it, basically, the basis of it, although there are other people who are making appearances, small vignettes, but basically it has to do with the life of two people. One, me, born in 1929. But there's another person involved here who began his life in England, uh, a, a son of uh, some Afghanistani family, and living in Afghanistani enclave. And obviously, hatred of the Jews is part and parcel of his life. So by the time he's a young man, 18, 20 years old, he is totally convinced that the Jews are the cause of every problem, and in particular, in the Middle East. And so the only solution to that is to become a jihadist and uh, begin uh, getting rid of Jews taking away their power, so to speak. And he is ready to uh, join the jihadists by being trained for terrorism and somehow comes upon a book, again, words. And he reads the book, it was, uh, it's a book to cause the cause for Palestine, for, for Israel uh, by uh, one of the professors at the university, at the, uh, at Harvard, and reads that, and of course it shows that the Jewish people have some right to have a country of their own. And of course he looks at it and reads it, and he says, this is propaganda, this is all nonsense, this is all made up, because the reality is that the Jews are evil, they are a country, Israel in particular is a country of apartheid and practicing genocide. And uh, that's what his position is, because this is what he was lived in with uh, for 20 some odd years. Uh, but he decides to do something intelligent. And he says, I myself will prove to the world that this is what it is. By I will go to Israel, see what's going on. And my side of the story, my narrative is the one which is correct. And so he actually manages to get to Israel. And when he arrives in Tel Aviv or in Lod Airport, they ask him, like, what are you doing here? 
says, well, he came to prove to himself and the rest of the world that the propaganda is a lie. And so they look at the, for a few hours, they talk to him, and then they say, go ahead and find out. And he winds up in Jerusalem first, and he sees Jews and Muslims and Christians working, worshipping together. And he said, oh, this must be a movie set. Uh, Jerusalem is a movie set, so people come <laughs> here, and they see totally a different story than it really is any place else. But eventually he finds out that what he's been taught for 20 years, 20 some odd years, is uh, a lie. It's fiction. It's not happening. On the contrary, what's happening is people are trying to live in peace and harmony. And so he does not want quite what to do and eventually uh, decides to come uh, first to Canada, then the United States, and winds up working for Kufi, Christians United for Israel. And I had the privilege a few years ago when he came here to meet him, uh, were involved in giving talks. So you imagine two people from to two totally different places, uh, different backgrounds, I, a Jew, uh, living through the Holocaust, coming to the United States. He, a jihadist, growing up in England. And uh, we now meet, and we are now telling the world the truth, the facts as they are. And so it's very exciting because in one case, the words, uh, both written and spoken, created the death camps eventually. And here are words of lies and eventual words of truth and facts and bring these two people together. So the movie really is shows that as human beings, we can come together. That's and how, in fact, you can use words for both good and bad. Yeah. Wow. So you've seen the movie. What's, what, what's your reaction? What is your, what is your hope for it? Well, I'm hoping that people have the same reaction I do, that they see that if you allow propaganda and hatred and lies to enter the human discourse, you can transform people, ordinary people who are God-fearing, church-going people, who pay their taxes, who live with their neighbors. You can take them and transform them to murderers. And not only are they murderers, they think murdering Jews and other people you don't like maybe uh, can be a, a wonderful thing, can be a really a thing of beauty that you are working for the government and for your people. To be truly right. German, you need to get rid of the Jews all through words. Patriotism. Murder of the other becomes patriotism. And that's what we have to see, how it evolved and how it's still evolving today in many ways. That we have terrorism. People who are ordinary people become terrorists. And how we have to stop that and say, well, ordinary people are just us, ordinary people, and we can live in harmony and not be seduced by uh, words of hatred and evil. So, so Irving, this, this last point I think is critical. 
yes, we, we definitely have terrorists. We also have, as you, I'm sure you know, uh, it's you go to a lot of college campuses. There's so much hateful, hatred for Israel and Jews. So the, the, the movie, which is called Never Again, uh, one might, you know, from a distance, look at this and say, well, wh why is such a movie needed? Because there's Holocaust education, I think, in pretty much every state. Uh, there's been so many efforts that you, you've you certainly made efforts. Many others have made efforts for so many years to, to get the word out, so to speak. And, and yet you, you would but think... But unfortunately, so um, there's also the other side. Mm -hmm. And that is people on the college campus, particularly, is the most difficult in a way because there are professors who believe in things that uh, are not true, yet they uh, propagate that. And the reason they can do it because they are tenured professors. I mean, uh, there is a gentleman in, uh, in the, the University of Southern of California in uh, Long Beach who uh, believes that uh, Judaism is a race and based on blood and the Jews only intermarry with other Jews and always have, and they don't want to intermarry with anybody else because they want to keep the blood purity, which is a bunch of humbug. Anybody who would like to be a Jew can become a Jew. Hmm. It doesn't take that much effort. Uh, blood has nothing to do with it. Of course, it's only a question of uh, usage and how you uh, practice religious rights. And they're not that much different from any other. From Christianity. In fact, Christianity and Judaism uh, stem from the same uh, root. That's right. So, you know, but what people have done is uh, now, and there are those, of course, who say that the Holocaust never happened, that the Jews made it up in order to uh, say, hey, feel sorry for us, and we can do whatever we can do because we were uh, persecuted and therefore you have to give us everything and if we persecute other people that's okay which we don't I mean uh, when the uh, explosion took place in Lebanon Israeli IDF told the Lebanese people they'll come in and help them with taking care of the people stopping the fire doing what's necessary uh, not for money or anything but doing it because it's a human thing to do. Yes, yes. Uh, they established a hospital on the border between Syria and Israel to take care of people who are in trouble or have difficult births and so on and bring them into a, a field hospital in Israel. And when they're cured and they feel fine, they send them back to Syria. So, you know, this is ridiculous. This is what Jews do. This is what Israel does. Yet there are those on the college campus who say, no, that's all a lie. They've never been to Israel. They talk of apartheid. Uh, I've been to Israel many times. I haven't seen a single sign that says for Jews only, for Muslims only, for Christians only, in a bus or in a hospital or anyplace else. It's ridiculous. No, in fact, it's quite the opposite. That you, you go to a hospital and you'll see people of all religions, all backgrounds, or many other settings as well, uh, all together. It's, it's, it's the opposite of what many people think. Exactly. So all these lies, and all we have to do, so what I do, I tell the truth, uh, but I'm fighting people who are out there trying, telling lies and uh, have repackaged the anti-Semitism of the 40s 
uh, in Europe, and they've repackaged the anti-Semitism of, uh, of uh, the uh, Inquisition, both in Spain and Portugal, and uh, everything is... Today, 20% of the people of Great Britain believe that the pandemic that we have right now somehow is related to Jews. <laughs> they started that maybe, maybe they just, you know, did something. 5% of the people of Great Britain are convinced that it's something that the Jews created and distributed and pushed it throughout the world. Now, nothing can be further for the truth, but yet that's what people believe. And right. this is what I've been fighting for many decades. Yes. Somewhat successfully. And of course, this is exactly what Kufi does in the last 13, 14 years. And today you have close to 9, 10 million people, Christians, who go around saying the same. And this is what Kasim does and That's the rest right. of the group. So <clears throat> we're making progress, but uh, we need to make much more progress. Because so, the, the students of today in the college in 20 years will be running this country. And right. if they're influenced and their soul is tainted by these lies, when they become members of Congress, they will try and destroy Israel That's and right. the Jewish people. And unfortunately today, you, we actually have Congress people who are believing in boycott and divestment and sanctions, which whose if you look at the details of that particular concept, it's the economic and eventual the destruction of the Jewish state. Sure. Absolutely. So, so this is what we're fighting. So Irving, if I could just ask you, because you, you've, you've spoken to a lot of audiences and you've, you've seen a lot over the years. So if we take somebody like Kasim, your partner in this movie, Never Again, and it's fairly easy to understand where his hatred of Jews, you know, before he turned around, where it came from, he was raised with it. And if you look at many Palestinians today, they're raised with it. And you can understand, well, they hate because they were educated to hate. But yet, there's a whole other kind of anti-Semitism. This 20% of people in England, for example, who think the Jews had something to do with, with coronavirus, uh, and, and you get the same thing with 9-11 and, and a lot of other things. And, and these are not necessarily people uh, who were at least actively raised to hate. You know, they they grew up more or less normally, and, and yet they they have this uh, the, these warped concepts of Jews. And I just wonder yeah. if you have any thoughts about where this comes from. Well, the problem is that extremes, be they they're being right or left, unfortunately... Uh, are basically haters. I mean, hate of the other is part and parcel of the extreme right and extreme left. And of course, uh, some of the people who are fundamentalists, uh, fundamental um, Muslims and the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, hatred of the other is a basis for their existence. And hatred of the Jews has been around for couple of thousand years, I would say two and a half thousand years. Why and how we can discuss in more detail at some other time. But that has been packaged and repackaged. Look, there was a period of time in the United States where some of the leaders, the economic and political leaders 
were anti-Semites, said the Jews don't belong. In fact, when I was growing up in Czechoslovakia and Slovakia, they said the Jews don't belong there. They're a separate race. In, in Germany, uh, already in the late uh, 19th century, um, a gentleman who was a writer, he also was a uh, member of the uh, German parliament, he says uh, in German, he said, translated freely, the Jews are our misfortune. Saying as long as the Jews exist, it is something that is evil. They try to transform the world into something which we don't believe in. Now, the funny part is that Judaism and Christianity is fundamentally the same moral and ethical aspects to it. Yet you find Christians who hate the Jews. And where did it come from? Well, it, in many different ways. Uh, until the 1950s or 60s, uh, there was the idea that the Jews killed Christ and therefore they had to be punished. They are a witness people and they have to be punished and made an example of. And it didn't change to the 1960s. That dogma uh, was totally uh, shown to be false. Jews had very little, nothing to do with it. And besides that, we're talking Jews 2,000 years later anyway. <laughs> and so these hatreds keep being repackaged. Absolutely. In different ways by yeah. different groups, uh, groups that want to say, yes, there is a difference between us and somebody else. It's that aspect of it just bring out the worst in human beings, this differentiation yeah. that we're better than anybody else and there's these other people. And of course, the Jews have been the other for a long period of time. And that has remained. Uh, look, there are people like uh, Henry Ford, who hated Jews, who was a down deep anti-Semite, who right. helped publish a book called The Protocols of Elders of Zion, which says that the Jews are trying to take over the world through economic uh, pressure and owning the newspapers and all that, which is, of course, absolutely false. It's not true. Yeah. Irving, can I just jump in here for just a second before we run out of time? I, I want to encourage our listeners, listen, this, this movie is coming out, Never Again, the story of Irving Roth and uh, his uh, experience, uh, not only in the Holocaust, but what he's contended with, along with many, many other Jews for for way too long. But it's got such a unique twist to it, because as we mentioned in the program here, we've got uh, what was a former jihadist that has come full circle to really really become just a dear and precious friend to Irving. And this story is, is powerful. You can find more information and grab some tickets at neveragainthemovie.com, neveragainthemovie.com. You can not only get tickets, but you can see where it's going to be showing in theaters where you live. And I want to encourage our listeners to go to that website, neveragainthemovie.com. So Irving, uh, I'm not exactly sure what your schedule is, but I'm wondering if you can join us for one more program uh, because we're just about out of time and, and this is such a good conversation we're having. Can you uh, stay over and, 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 uh, and do another program with us? Absolutely. The only thing I want to do, I need to get some water. 
Perfect. Well, listen, you do that while we get uh, signed off this week. I want to thank you for listening again to the teacher and the preacher. And always a joy to be with you, Harold. Always a great and you. A, a great chance and you. to be together. And we've so enjoyed our special guest, Irving Roth. And uh, as you just heard, he's going to be with us again next weekend. Until next weekend, I want to encourage you to write us at theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. We read all of the emails. Go to our website, teacherandthepreacher.com, and you can catch previous broadcasts. You can donate there and keep us on the air. You can learn about about uh, the teacher and the preacher. So until next weekend, may the God of Israel, who never slumbers and never sleeps, may he watch over Israel and our Jewish friends, and may that same God bless America. Amen.